Something new is supported by listeners like you. Visit joelbnew.com and help this podcast continue to grow, thrive, and be a part of the creative conversation. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 11 of my theater podcast, Something New. I'm Joel B. New. Uh, Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Is everyone off? Is everyone out enjoying, you know, listening to podcasts while they walk in the park? Um, Now that that's something that I do. Okay, that's totally something I do. Um, So yeah, I hope everyone's having a wonderful uh, extra day off on this beautiful Memorial Day. Or is it? Not that I hope or question that it's beautiful, but I'm questioning whether you're listening to this on Memorial Day because maybe you're listening to this episode a day early. Thanks to the wonderful people at broadwayworld.com, they are exclusively uh, posting episodes of my show 24 hours early-er than they come out on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Isn't that cool? The One Train's pretty excited about it. As am I. Um, So if you're listening to this via broadwayworld.com, that's awesome. Please tell your friends about that. Um, Or if you're listening to this later and you're like, oh gosh, I, I would love to listen to Joel on a Sunday instead of a Monday. If that's... If that's a thing, then now you know where to go. So thank you, and huge amounts of appreciation to the good people at BroadwayWorld.com for giving the theater podcast community uh, so much support. Uh, I am sitting here at my desk in Inwood, having my third, I think, if I'm honest, I think it's my fourth cup of coffee for the day. I will say that it is my last cup of coffee for the day. Um... And I'm drinking out of my, not not my podcast mug, but out of my rabbit from Winnie the Pooh mug, um, who is my favorite character on uh, from the Winnie the Pooh world. And my sister was kind enough to know and remember that. So thanks for my mug. Um, I don't know, people who might know my personality are like, of course, rabbit's your favorite character. But, um, but yeah, I just feel like he's underappreciated. And so I'm giving rabbit a shout out i guess um guys this is my last episode before i um go to paris did you know i'm going to paris uh there's this terrific theater company out there uh the artistic director's name is lissandro nessis and hope i'm pronouncing that right man i'm gonna be saying that a lot in paris hope i'm pronouncing this right um lissandro has a theater company called oh gosh here we go again broadway okai Kare, it's um, it means square, so Broadway in the square. Um, that where they invite uh, American musical theater writers to come over and uh, be part of the rehearsal process for a concert of you know our work with their company members, and then we do a concert, and it's gonna be a blast. I'm so excited about it. It's happening on um, if you're in Paris. Um, you know, because maybe you are. Uh, it's happening on Friday, June 10th at 7.30 p.m. Of course, that's France time. Uh, they'll be, we'll be doing 15 songs from my catalog, including um, songs that everybody seems to like. 
uh, including me, <laughs> like Beautiful Sleeping Giant, uh, my setting of Edgar Allan Poe's Annabelle Lee, Better Than Fine, some of my new Cabot Cove stuff, which I'll be performing, and, um, and a brand new song that I've written for two lovely ladies that is part of the Bill Coins Muse Match initiative, which is now starting to go international, and I'm really, really excited to be part of the international edition of Muse Match and to write a brand new song that is getting its debut in Paris. And I look forward to sharing it there, and I look forward to sharing it here on the podcast uh, in the weeks to follow. Uh, let's see. So, going away to Paris, and then my next episode is supposed to be coming out on Monday, June 13th, which is literally the day after I get back from Paris. Um, I'm, that might happen. Um, I might be taking some kind of respite <laughs> between, you know, getting off the plane and posting an episode. Um, who knows? You know, but I just need to be realistic uh, with myself and take be kind to myself. Um, but I also want to get these episodes out to you. Uh, my dear and faithful listeners. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Because I'm also, um, I get back on the 12th, and then on Saturday, June 18th, you guys, we go into the recording studio for the Cabot Cove EP. Isn't that madness? It is crazy, all the things that are happening back to back to back. So I might be taking a little bit of a podcast break while we're recording the album. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. We'll see how things go. Um, but I just wanted to put that in your in your back pocket. Um, also, on Saturday, June 18th, uh, I am part of... Uh, I'm back part of the American Muse Match concert series uh, produced by Bill Coyne at Feinstein's 54 Below. Um, that, again, that is Saturday, June 18th. At 11.30 p.m. at Feinstein's 54 Below, uh, this time the concert is benefiting Songs for Sophia, which is a beautiful foundation, and I'm really thrilled to write a song that is going to be part of a concert that is raising money for um, for something like that. Um, I am writing a brand new song for Sierra Renee, who um, my fellow superhero nerds might know as playing Hawk Girl on Legends of Tomorrow. And so that's really cool. So we've had a meeting and I'll be writing that song in the next couple of days. And I'm excited to see what that's going to sound like. Uh, She's super nice and incredibly talented. And yeah, I couldn't be more excited that all of these things are happening. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Oh, so um, let's see, one disclaimer and then one shout-out before we get to the episode. Uh, the uh, disclaimer is, you know, it is summer, it's getting warmer, I live in upper, upper, upper Manhattan, and um, so there is there is excessive outside, outside noise because people are outside now, and so we, and we taped this episode in my apartment. And so, just apologies in advance, there is a section of the interview where, like, you know, you always hear the one train while we, when I record here, but this time, like, like there's some, there's some bass, there's some heavy bass and some, um, some fun music happening outside. So, um, so apologies, I hope no, you know, explicit language gets leaked through the music that's happening in the background, but just... 
Just hopefully it just makes you feel like you're hanging out in the living room with me and my guests and Strider and my rabbit mug. Um, so, so apologies for that. Please pardon that. And my shout out is to this, this week's accompanist, Justin Brown, who uh, he's new to the podcast and pretty new to New York. Uh, he just moved here permanently not too long ago. And he is an incredibly talented, intuitive accompanist, music director, vocal coach. He does a lot of cool things. And um, I'm just really, really impressed by him. And I think you will be too when you hear uh, his accompanying skills on the podcast. So if you are looking for an accompanist or um, a vocal coach or a music director who's, you know, fresh off the boat, then I think you should check out Justin Brown. I'll make sure that there's a link to his, uh, to contact him in the description of this episode. All right, I think that about does it. I'm going to finish um, my way too late in the day cup of coffee, and I'm going to let you guys enjoy episode 411 with Tim Elliott and Lauren Sowa. And um, if I don't see you before I go to France, um, what was I, gonna, I was going to say bonjour. That's um, that's hello. So I'll say uh, merci et au revoir. Uh, yeah, man, I thought I knew more French. This is Joel B. New, and you're listening to Something New, my chance to talk with some of the savviest performers in the theater industry to hear their stories, work through and premiere a brand new original song, and get to the heart of what makes them the working, multifaceted artists they have come to be. My first guest is an actor, photographer, mistress of Shakespeare, and ukulele player. (laughs) Recent credits include Harvey and Private Lives at the Walnut Street Theater, the title character in Jane Austen's Emma for the Lantern Theater Company in Philadelphia. Other credits include Imogen in Cymbeline, Othello, and Much Ado About Nothing in Repertory. Juliet and the North Carolina Shakespeare Festival's production of Romeo and Juliet. Um, We're Drunk, This is the End, at the Old Vic, as part of the T.S. Eliot U.S.-U.K. exchange, and All's Well That Ends Well, and Hamlet, at the Alabama Shakespeare Festival. She's the graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, what, what, where she received her BFA in drama. (laughs) My second guest is an actor, director, adapter, fight choreographer, fight director, (laughs) and whistler extraordinaire. (laughs) He has been featured on Boardwalk Empire and Christina Callis's The Rainbow Experiment and Keith Boyton's Seven Lovers, and on the web series The Three Bits, Duder, and Pride. A veteran of classical and downtown theater, he played Macbeth and Hamlet with Everett Quinton and many Sleep No More alums. He has also directed New York productions of Much About uh, Much Ado About Nothing, Urban's Suicide, and Romeo and Juliet. I love saying it that way. Um, <laughs> he's finishing his second year, or just finished his second year today. today, of study with William Esper and holds an MFA from the ART MXAT Institute and a BA from Yale. Obviously, I'm talking <laughs> respectively about Lauren Sowa and Tim Elliott. Lauren and Tim, thanks for being on my show. Thank you for thanks. having us. Yeah. yeah. This is super fun. This is so much fun. Um, I don't have a lot of couples on here, so I'm, I'm excited. Oh. Yeah. It's a new thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I heard about you, you know, because I've been at this for a while, and so I've... I have a, I won't say I've run out of friends to interview, but I've run, <laughs> 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 maybe I've run out of friends who are willing to be interviewed. Yeah. And so yeah. I start to reach out to past guests and like, hey, do you know anyone who would like be a good idea interview? And mm-hmm. Amy Joe was like, you need to talk to Tim and Lauren. 
and she told me a little bit about you guys. That's where I found out that you're a whistler and that you know how to play ukulele. Yes. Did mm-hmm. you see my little uke on the? I did. I saw it on the wall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I whistled in that show. You did. I you did, did whistle in that show. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Isn't it bad luck to whistle in the theater? Isn't it is. Yeah. Backstage, I think it is because of the sandbags. Because oh. the 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 guys who did this is what I've heard is tell that, me. Um, the guys who would do old-fashioned rigging mm-hmm. when they were first inventing drops and pulley systems and stuff and weight systems, um, a lot of the guys who knew how to handle rope and weights and counterweights were sailors. And sailors typically have uh, whistle signals. Mm-hmm. Just so, <laughs> so if you whistle backstage, you might accidentally signal the, the guy up on the, on the fly line to drop something, and you might get a sandbag on the head. Because that's they use sandbags. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's that's what I've heard. That's wow. the that's, yeah, apocryphal. That's what I've heard as well. Yeah, I feel like only Shakespeare actors would know stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it's people who whistle in theaters who get told that all the time because uh, you whistle uh, and you're like, then gotcha. everybody like yells at you and then yeah. you're like, but why? You've both got like a lot of random tricks in your collective bag. Um, oh yeah, yeah, that's like, true. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, which of them did, did it? Which of them like brought you to New York? Like you? Did you come here for college? I came that here brought for, you. Yeah, yeah, I did for NYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then my path sort of took me, like the first gig I booked right out of school took me out of town, and and I sort of worked out of town for a few years, and then um, I did the internship at Alabama Shakespeare where I got my card, and once I joined Equity, I thought, well, I should probably come back to New York. Um, so I've been back since then although of course half the theater work i do is out of town so right you know right. it's um i've called new york my home ever since college yeah same but way. i've been in and out quite a bit gotcha yeah, yeah. um i came to you? new york with some college friends peter james cook and <laughs> we julie, know these names julie lake <laughs> um and i didn't know julie very well um, I knew her sort of through Peter. We, we'd worked a little bit together. I knew she was a fantastic actress. She still is. Um, and Peter and I worked a lot together in undergrad. And he had lived in New York before. And the three of us moved into a two-bedroom in Alphabet City. And Peter and I had a bunk bed. And it was <laughs> total It was total craziness. Oh I mean, it was God. like we were living right on top of each other. And I grew up in the woods in of New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. <laughs> And going to Yale undergrad was like a total culture shock for me and sort of overwhelming. But, you know, I managed to figure out how to navigate that. And then it was like, well, I've got this theater degree. I want to be an actor. I want to do this thing. And Peter was moving back to New York because he grew up here. And Julie was moving to New York. And we just sort of banded together and got this apartment. And, you know, I just fell in love with the city. So that was... And so I've been here ever since. You know, I did grad school in Boston, but again, even that was like I was coming back to yeah stay with Peter it's home in base. New York and um, a few regional gigs. Uh, but yeah, I imagining leaving is like one of those like oh that's a, that's a, wow. It's like, it's like I guess that's a choice. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, every now and then I think about it, and then sure, I I actually think that the best thing to stay in love with New York is to leave it's for still, a little bit. Yep. Every time I, I go it. away and I do a show out of town, I come back and I 
fall back in love with the city. Yeah, you, know? you have a new, like just a renewed appreciation for yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's I think that's so healthy in life, just general. Oh yeah. You know, just space is great. You know, to like come back today and do musical theater, you know, which I haven't done in so long, and I just had this. I was saying to you a little earlier, you know, um, to to have all this new acting training. Yeah. Um, and to bring that to, mm-hmm. you know muscle memory of singing mm. it's totally new experience and so wonderful it makes me want to sing more good i think you should sing more <laughs> yeah you just like just um you just finished your your education with esper studio today today it was our last class we all got like choked up we sang him a song what'd you sing we sang this old judy garland song apparently which one Every little moment has a meaning all its own. Every thought in something. Da, 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 da. So, um, yeah, well, I had the lyrics on a, on a little paper. But he sings that first line. Um, because, you know, he's he trained with Sandy Meisner. And his it, what he one of the first things he really tries to ingrain in you through a lot of exercises, repetition, and and the sort of acting exercise, which is a bit of an improv, um, is you've got to be alive in every moment. The way you are when you're completely engaged with anything else. Because there's no time on stage that will ever be interesting where you're not completely engaged with every moment that's actually occurring. And that will make the audience engaged. Um, So, you know, and he, he says, you know, every moment has its own meaning. And we recognize that through the behavior. So he sings that little song to us when we forget that. Um, and so we, over the years, you know, two years with him, he, he's sung it to us, I don't know, 40 or 50 times. You know, just that one little bar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of the some of my classmates had the idea of, like, let's, like, learn that song and sing it to him. That's beautiful. But it was a very last-minute thing, so I didn't really learn it. Learn it. <laughs> they learned it. They did, like, this amazing <clears throat> harmony to start oh, it beautiful. off. And they, like, oh. staged it and everything. Yeah, it was, it was really That fun. sounds nice. But it was, like, very, very touching. I feel like a very different actor. I yeah. feel like um, these skills they're they're similar to other skills that I've I've trained in and the AR, ART Machat Moscow Art Theater training um, is another branch of Meisner tradition, but it's very focused on action, uh, at least what the head of the the school teaches. And then the Moscow tradition is like it's just so different. It has yeah. evolved in a totally different way in Moscow. Um, acting training um it's very it's super physical and you know moscow art theater now it's the way that they do it is they have um a master teacher for each class year so there are essentially there are five master teachers or at least when i was there there were and two of them work together and then there are three other guys that each teach a class Hmm. um and what that does is you stay with that master teacher through all four years but you take ballet and you take movement and you take voice and you do all these other things but you're always coming back to that acting teacher so the actors in that year become sort of flavored uh-huh. like that acting teacher yeah. so you can always sort of recognize an actor who has been trained by Konstantin Reichen because Reichen does this very specific thing because he grew up doing it because his dad created this theater and he's always been that way sort of like you know, animalistic and like gruff and like everything, just pouring it out, you know, and he's like totally connected to this very primal thing. 
And so his actors sort of have to do that. Or yeah. you just can't be in his class. You have to learn how to do it. We definitely had voice teachers in college that, because uh, I went down to read for voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you could definitely tell that's like, well, they, they clearly study with so-and-so or blah, blah, blah. You know, like, mm-hmm. that's, right. Yeah, it's yeah. totally a thing. Um, but it's still so steeped in that tradition. Yeah. So You mentioned physicality that. earlier, mm-hmm. um, which I'm using as a segue to fighting on stage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Stage combat, as they say. <laughs> Um, where, where and when did that come to the picture? And have you ever fought on stage? Oh, Lauren? yeah. I mean... Yeah? Have you ever directed brawler. her in fighting? Uh... No. The, the except movie. for... The movie. Uh, we did a... Tell me things. Okay, we shot... <laughs> the only time we've worked together, other than doing Cymbeline, um, we shot this film for a Columbia MFA student where, uh, he had to kill me. So, oh jeez! Yeah, his were character. You then? We were yes. dating then. Yes. yes. Wow. Um, he had to basically put a plastic bag over my head, and I had to struggle and pretend to be suffocating. Um, and because of the insurance for the film, we could only do it four seconds at a time. So basically, we would set up the shot. He would put the bag over my head. Uh, we would struggle for four seconds. <laughs> they would call cut. And then we would just do it over and over again so that they could sort of jump cut throughout and make it look longer. Um, it was terrifying. What, a, what what kind of rule is that, the four-second rule? Well, it's like it's dropping insurance. food on the floor. Yeah, it's basically it's like, like an insurance thing. They, they yeah. don't want anyone to die. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I get it. But, but like, what a specific time yeah. that yeah. someone came I up think, with. Yeah. I think it's because like nobody can suffocate in four seconds. Like, there's right. just no way. I feel Sounds like, like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> right. I feel like it's probably, I don't know, like 20 seconds or something before somebody passes out. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But like, they're like, okay, it's going to be this much. Well, it's interesting because I've had to think about this more than the normal person. Because um, as I said, before, as I said before, I played Desdemona twice. And both times, you know, she is smothered with a pillow. Um, and that is quite a long moment, actually. Yeah. Um, and so we had, I've done a lot of fight work on stage, mostly as a woman, I've done mostly hand uh, unarmed work. Mm-hmm. So I have, I did, when I was younger, I trained in single sword and I, I do know how to sword fight, but I haven't been called upon to do that very often. Um, I've more been uh, called upon to defend myself or to fight back mm-hmm. in sort of a physical manner. Um, anyway, so for Othello, uh, we had a very safe, procedure set up that you know we had done the choreography and as you do every time before you do the show you do a fight call so we always work through the fight call and we had basically like safety cues so if anything was going wrong I had a way to signal my Othello that this was uh, going south and you know (laughs) stop Um, luckily I never had to use it but a few times I came close Um, you know you're in the heat of the moment you're going for it and it's a very intense long play very emotional uh, and that struggle we made it very realistic um, and very long (laughs) and so much so that my family told me that they would never watch that again (laughs) they were like my sister actually was almost didn't come because she saw the first one I had done in New York and she was like, I can't watch you go through that again. And I was like, you have to come, please. I, I love this play. I think it's my favorite Shakespeare, at least now in my life. I just love the play so much. And um, I don't think Desdemona's a victim. You know, I think she's a fighter. She's The first thing she does is secretly marry the general behind her dad's back. You know, like, she runs yeah. away. Like, it's, <laughs> she's a badass. So, yeah, totally. um 
Yeah, so I gave her all the fight I thought she <clears throat> rightly deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I have done a lot of fight stuff. Yeah. So having that in your pocket as someone who can do fighting or someone who can choreograph fighting, like, mm-hmm. yeah. um, does that... I imagine that's... Is that, like, a prerequisite for Shakespeare? Because there is so much uh, fighting, or, like... Sh- yeah, where- a lot of Shakespearean actors know... Um, how to use at least hand to hand. Yeah, sword too, though, because if sword, you think about yeah. all the history plays, have tons of war scenes, yeah. you know, and most of the plays have some sort of a sword fight, even if it's only yeah. brief. Yeah. So yeah, it, it sort of is one of those things where you would do yourself a favor to learn it if you don't. Yeah, and you generally, I mean, you pick it up too. You know, um, if you're it it. I think at some of the highest levels, it's expected that you have fight training hmm. um, for if you're auditioning for Shakespeare. Are there any other expectations, like other than voice good at work? You, you've got to be expected to do all the technical things. You, you've you've got to know how to make a verse line work. You've got to make the syntax understood. You have to know what the words mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to um, be able to bring yourself to it emotionally and physically. Yeah. Also, have the stamina to do it, it it's not unlike a musical you know it's heightened in a very similar mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. Um, less fighting in musicals less fighting in musicals <laughs> yeah. yeah maybe some, but like West Side Story some of them do yeah Yeah. more um, dance fighting in musicals I'd say yeah, yeah. Dance, yeah. dance fighting we're gonna, we're gonna there are more there are more dream here. ballets in musicals yes we gotta get some dream ballets into Shakespeare yeah well, well, there, let's there, do it but what about um, Pericles it's a dream ballet in Pericles yeah sort of isn't there a fantasy right? I mean, I don't know that it's a ballet, but... Yeah, I have, yeah whenever, there are whenever fantastical moments. Yeah. Um, it's funny, fight is like... It, it's such an extension of so much of theater for such a long period of time, so much classical work, you know, for centuries, was so focused around that kind of violence. And then we sort of brought it indoors, like Ibsen and, you know, mm-hmm. Chekhov... Strindberg, the violence becomes emotional and psychological and mm. personal, um, and that wasn't. It, it was. It was interesting. I mean, if you look at Moliere, you know, it, there there is that going on. He's shifting away from you know the the spectacular epic, um, but you know, like you your friend Seth does a ton of like stunt work. It sort mm-hmm. of moved to like movies, but you can't do Shakespeare in a way without without doing some violence. Um, you can sort of mutate it however you want based on what your, what your yeah. style of production yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but imagine the more skilled you are, yeah. Then yeah. the but more there's, hireable. There's always going to be someone who's hired to be the fight choreographer or coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I remember when I played Juliet, um, we had a guy who was brought in just to, teach me how to stab myself you know um, <laughs> a stabbing expert i mean yeah. not just that but that was the only thing i really did with him um and it's something as simple as that moment which you think oh yeah someone can do that just hide the knife like yeah. no everything has to be planned you know everything yeah. is choreographed you're taught how to do it safely that is a piece of metal. you are yeah. part of the fight call every day i mean more and more we're reading these stories about people who are in uh, high school productions, some professional productions where they're actually stabbing themselves. Oh, the Sweeney Todd story. Yeah, but there was also a Shakespearean actor who who also slit his own throat yep. um, because the prop knife was switched with a real knife. Like, all these dangerous things. So at least if you have the proper technique, 
ideally that wouldn't happen. You right. wouldn't actually right. stab yourself. Um, although, I don't know. I mean, if you're given a real knife and you're not expecting a real knife, I guess there's not a lot you can do about that. Um, but the more practice and training and help and guidance you have, the fewer chances of actual harm yeah. <laughs> happening yeah. during the show. You know, So it's just it's a safety thing. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Audible. For you, my dear listeners of Something New, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. I'm currently listening to This Time Together by Carol Burnett, which is just so nice to hear Carol Burnett talk about her life, and I like to pretend that we're just she's sitting next to me on the subway instead of um, the person clipping their fingernails. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash something new. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash something new for your free audiobook. We are also brought to you in part by ShowScore, which is kind of like Rotten Tomatoes, but for theater. So, I mean, Tony Awards season is upon us. You can go on there, and if you agree or disagree with uh, the Tony nominations, you can go on there and have your say about those shows and so much more and find out what other people are saying about Broadway, Off-Broadway, and beyond. It's a really awesome community that is just growing super duper fast. I'm a member of that community. And you can follow me once you become a member at showscore.com slash something new. And so that is, it's a show hyphen score.com slash something new. Are there any like fight words or anything that you can like explain? (laughs) Like, is there like, Uh, are are there any like typical holds or? uh, Yeah. I mean, there are, when you, you can get certified in various things. Yeah. Um, And and of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah. And there's a, there's a whole, what is it? Fight. Society of America. I forget what their acronym is, um, but there are there are guys who are fight directors. Um, they teach stage violence. They, they'll often be stunt guys as well mm-hmm. to some degree. Or they'll be enthusiasts, like sword enthusiasts. Um, and so, in grad school, I took a hand to hand class, and we all got certified at the end. You know, and they they do this very odd. I did it in Boston, and they did this. Um, they sort of do this review as if you're not in the room. Hmm. And they talk about your work as if you're not in the room. Um, and, uh, and, and, but at the same time that we were doing certification for hand to hand, there were other people there because they do these certification events. It's like once every two months or something. And so yeah. there were people there getting certified in rapier dagger or short sword or. And so each weapon is so different. It's it's like a martial yeah. art. You know, you have yeah. to. You can be learn certified. the quarter staff. You can learn broadsword. Yeah. I mean, I think there are limitations based on your physicality. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know that I could properly handle a broadsword. I sure would try. But... Oh, you mm-hmm. you would rock it, baby. <laughs> lightsaber? Is that yes? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. The yeah. There are probably some lightsaber classes yeah. you could take in New York. Oh yeah, for sure. Have you read the? Star Wars Shakespeare's? <laughs> yeah. I yeah. haven't read it. Are they good? I've read like... It's super fun. <laughs> I was never really a Star Wars fan <laughs> until this year because I didn't grow up watching it. It okay. wasn't it wasn't something that 
I guess, interested me, or maybe I missed it as a kid. I don't know. Um, anyway, I didn't really start watching the films until Tim and I got together. So now I think I would have a whole different appreciation of the Star Wars Shakespeare, because before I just... It didn't yeah. make sense to me because I didn't know half the references. It's, it's like so right, many inside right. jokes. Like any any of those like you know mashup of things. It's like you have to get the inside jokes of one world and the other one yeah. for it to really be fun. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. Um, the Venn diagram. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um. <laughs> uh, you guys can't see this, but my guests are cuddling on my couch right now, and it's pretty <laughs> darn are. precious. Yes. Um, <laughs> as I mentioned, I um, I've interviewed a couple of couples. Um, I've had. Nick Searley and Lauren Molina on, who are the Skivvies. Mm-hmm. And I've had my friends Caroline and Tom, who have a company called Polish Your Passion. Mm-hmm. And um, But you are my first um, couple couple, Yay. the capital C. <laughs> um, so I want to know, I want to know, how do you guys do that? How do you balance, do you balance each other out creatively? Or like, how does that, yeah. or... You know how do you how do you support someone when you need the same kind of support or like? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, we, how do you do it? We just sort of figure it out as we go because there, are, you know, we have a, a lot of different interests. You know, we both have exper- a lot of experience with Shakespeare, passion for it. We also do. We're, we're working with a filmmaker sort of, that Lauren knew and, and brought me in with. <laughs> who works through improvisation, mm-hmm. which is in a way similar to um, Meisner training improvisation, mm. um, where she gives you a scenario and you just play it out and you have a main character that's going to end up in the film and you also play uh, supporting characters when another character needs to work something out and we create the backstory. So, you know, we, we've done a lot of different things and now we're, we're starting to write things and create more of our own work. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I directed a show while we knew each other, a couple shows, and and so we're always bouncing stuff off of each other, mm-hmm. and you know, working on auditions together. <laughs> yeah, built-in audition partner. And yeah, mm-hmm. and and sort of like director. So and, and we also watch a lot of stuff together, uh, theater and TV and film. Yeah, it's a constant collaboration. I think it's. I love this soundtrack we've got going right now. I just want to you know, let's just own the fact that there's some hip, there's some really cool music happening in the background. Yeah. I told him to show up now so he could accompany uh, yeah, the last part of this podcast. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I feel like emotionally you'd think it would be challenging to have two people who are both actors who are going through sort of the same struggles and there are definitely times where you know we're both feeling like man this is hard and you know we're not getting as much work as we want and and those are the times where I think it's really great to have someone that you can see as a creative partner and then we can take the take the sort of negative feeling of like someone's not offering me an opportunity that I would like to do, so why don't we create an opportunity? Yep. You know, and then through that, who knows what will happen. Um, so I, I think it's actually really nice to have somebody who totally understands the world and totally gets the struggle and totally gets the fact that, like, we may never be rich, but, you know, we are pursuing what we love and... Mm-hmm there's a joy and a happiness that comes from that that 
doesn't necessarily come from money. So, right. Um, you know, it's just I think about lifting each other up and and staying positive and yeah. um, helping with. You know, I always try to be supportive of the things he's working on and, and vice versa. And the few times we do get to work together are really lovely and we'd love to yeah. do more of that. Yeah. Um, but it's really important, too, to have your own stuff, you know, and to have mm-hmm. have your passions. Like I do photography um, as yeah, a I, freelancer and that's sort of another passion of mine that also happens to be my day job. And that's been a real lifesaver because, you know, I had been doing every other survival job that an actor does like I I was a hostess I was a server I was a bartender I was a temp I was a caterer I did it all um, I was a babysitter well talk to me about photography like how yeah well I mean, that's your day job yeah yeah it is um, that's so cool yeah yeah it's been great I mean I basically I I've been doing it since high school as a hobby and never thought that I would do it as a career but um you know, I learned. I learned how to shoot film. I learned how to develop my own film. I learned all the sort of basic stuff nice. in high school. Like, what a cool class <laughs> Those to take. Are totally useless now. No. <laughs> Framing, frame no. Yes no. and no. I mean, there's no dark room where I can go develop my own stuff. But, um, you know, and also I'm not sure I really remember how to do that if I if I had to the chemicals and everything. But it was a great sort of uh, training ground for digital because all the technical stuff is still the same as mm-hmm. far as a digital camera goes you just aren't developing the film but all the settings are still the same so exposing properly for light and everything your subject you know all that's still the same um so yeah it's basically i was fed up with bartending and not feeling the hours that come with that job and yeah. not feeling the lack of flexibility that sometimes comes with that job and um i decided why not let's see what happens with photography and ever since then it's been great you know, I do all kinds of stuff. Um, I've been fortunate to do a lot of headshots. I know a lot of actors, and so that mm-hmm. sort of started naturally. Yep. Um, but I've branched out. I, I also do corporate headshots. I've done lots of events. I've done lots of proposals, engagements, a few weddings. You know, basically whatever somebody needs. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. I love that. And it's also a creative, a different use of my creativity, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. I'm sure, influential to my other work in ways that I'm not even aware but I do know it's interesting because we've been starting to work together Tim and I on writing some short films and um, I know that photography has affected the way I view framing uh, framing mm-hmm. an image framing a story um, and so I'm sure that that will help as we embark on like creating our own film work um, so you know I, every actor has their journey like they're, we're all different and we all find our way and everything is influential as artists, as people, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're so observant. We're, we're like big sponges just absorbing everything around us. And then mm-hmm. that in turn affects our work. That's right. So it's exciting. You never know. Mm-hmm. Even, gotta... even the bartending work, like that affects you. That affects oh, yeah, that your informs. ability to, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I have no regrets about the path that I've taken. Yeah. That's oh. one thing that's so exciting about New York is like, <laughs> The actors here, you know, very few actors here are just actors. I mean, they're, you know, the household names that come in and do shows or, you know, um, the sort of theater heavy hitters who, you know, just make a living doing doing shows on Broadway and off-Broadway um, and doing a little film and TV. Um, but 
every other actor here does something else and they have to do it well enough that they can get paid enough to also be able to have time to act and so we have this creative class here in new york um that that also nurtures another you know set of professional skills at the very least if not creative professional skills and that you know that sort of industriousness and you know persistence and survival skill you know it mm-hmm. it it does inform the work sometimes you know american work oh, is sure. is so aggressive in a way like mm. it's very american work is very passionate i mean look at look at some of the independent stuff that's now sort of blossoming on tv and you see these performers who are can instantly tap into that um you know that that need and that drive and that um i think that's that's sort of a wonderful thing about new york when you meet actors here you know there's a shorthand of like of like oh yeah how are you getting how are you like you know managing your life as well Mm -hmm. as managing your art and how are those that's why i'll never run out of guests (laughs) (laughs) we have two guests and we have two songs Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Let me talk about the first one, um, which is just aptly called a duet. <laughs> I don't want to give anything away, um, but you know I don't get to write duets a lot, and so it was really nice to have a couple coming over <laughs> and to write it. Um, yeah, and I wanted to write something um, more classical because you know I had two classically trained people coming over, and I was like, oh, I haven't written anything in that world because I, I come from pop and jazz and so mm. to write something over here uh, was a really nice uh, flexing of those muscles for me mm. um, and my my friend Justin Brown accompanied us today and he was yeah. terrific yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he filled out that piano accompaniment very nicely <laughs> um, and then we had a second song because um, Tim is that good <laughs> because because I was like, don't write me anything like really difficult. Uh-huh. And so he wrote this fantastic song that you know I'm, I'm in a, a little bit. Yeah, and then, <laughs> it just like, it was what the creative yeah 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 what's what the, the creative juices uh, the creative what, what the inspiration came to write the duet and um and it turned out that we needed to show off Tim a little bit more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So. Um, <laughs> So I was like, I was, I was like, dude, I don't have time to write another song, yes. but can we? Can you look at some of my stuff? And um, and it's all awesome. Thank you very much. Um, but he really gravitated toward Omission from RSVP, which is a show that I wrote for the podcast, and we premiered it on the show in the fir- very first season. Which hopefully someone um, will produce soon. Come on, produce it! <laughs> yeah. Someone? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a really fun, it's my 20-minute chamber musical, and... Um, yeah, so Tim is going to sing Omission, which you can buy on Repertoire.com, and it's in my first songbook that I published a year ago. Cool, um, cool. So it's one of the 20 songs in that book. Nice. Um, also accompanied by Justin Brown. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, boys and girls, these performances will are also available uh, to stream on SoundCloud, and we're, uh, we've added a video element to this season, and so these will be on YouTube as well. So uh, so go check those out. Check out these lovely people and see how talented and pretty they are. Um, also, <laughs> while you're at it, uh, follow me on all things social media, and you may find those links and so much more on joelbenew.com. 
Uh, you can follow my guests. I assume you're on all the social media. Oh, yeah. And you've got the yeah. websites. Exactly. And, uh, what, yeah. are your, what are your typical handles? Uh, you can follow me at Lauren Soa, S-O-W-A. And you can find my website, timelliot.com, T-I-M-E-L-I-O-T, 1L1T. 1L1T. <laughs> yes, like the poem. It's, I love it. Uh, remember, subscribe to, rate, review this podcast, tell your friends all about it. Uh, special thanks, as always, to my friends Stephanie Payton and Joel Dickinson, who help make this podcast happen every week. Um, and last but not least, Tim and Lauren, thank you so much for being on my show. It was so nice to meet us. you. Yeah, you as well. Thank yeah. you so much. And thank you for having Strider, your adorable dog, be here as well. Thank you. When we needed some puppy time. Yes, well, anytime. You were, <laughs> he, he eats it up. Just Clear. like everything else on the street. <laughs> <When we walk>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from my apartment in Inwood, uh, this is Joel B. New. Lauren Soa. And Tim Elliott. Saying thank you for dropping by for something new. Thank you.
make mistakes without too much trying. We make promises we'd like to undo. We make some beds we'd rather not lie in. We make enemies, perhaps more than a few. Chance to come here and see you. I risked everything. I moved time and space. Tear up the page, but I guarantee you, you won't soon forget that flush felt in your face. It's thrown a real curve. You can't turn back as soon as you're in it. Don't throw out the book when it hits every nerve. To hear more interviews and original songs, visit the Something New archives at jolbynew.com, where you'll find conversations with other dynamic duos, such as Caroline Celia and Tom Morin. When you go into an audition now, you almost feel kind of like that you're a secret agent. You walk in and you're right. like, I'm yeah. an actress, I'm a singer, I'm a performer, but I'm also really good at this other thing. Yes. Yeah. So you kind yeah. of get this... Theatrical media.